looking at the book of Colossians, finishing the book of Colossians this morning. Our passage is Colossians chapter 4. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Colossians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 4 starting in verse 7. Colossians 4, starting in verse 7. Before we dive into God's Word, let's pray together. Lord, may You bless our gathering this this Lord's Day. We have gathered to worship You together as Your people. Lord, we, we go through pains and sorrows in this life. Christ is our comfort. And so may our families and your church be strengthened today. Lord, I pray that I rightly handle the word of truth and guard my tongue from error. May your saints be edified as we end our time in Colossians. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you are uh, new to North Hills or visiting with us this morning. We've been walking through the book of Colossians, and we'll be finishing uh, the book this morning. And so we started preaching through Colossians mid-October, and this is our, I believe, 28th sermon through the book. In North Hills, we believe in expositional preaching, taking the Scriptures, walking through them verse by verse. And so our text This morning is the last passage in Colossians, Colossians 4, 7 through 18. And so we're going to read that text right now. Starting in verse verse 7, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, your faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are the only... These are the only men of, of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians around year uh, 60 to 62 A.D. Like many of his letters, this one uh, would have made it to other churches later on. And he began 
this letter with a greeting and ends it with a greeting. This is a real letter from the Apostle Paul, inspired by God to real churches, to real believers. This is not made up in some lab somewhere or a document that only has one witness. This is the word of the Lord to encourage the people of the Lord. This was written to a church in, a, in the city of, of Colossae that some have said was once a thriving city and at the time of the writing of, of this letter had little importance. So this letter to the Colossians, as we, as we have seen, has addressed many things of importance. It has heavily addressed the gospel or gospel clarity and Paul's apostleship. Regarding gospel clarity, to see the gospel rightly, we see in uh, the first chapter, in verse 14, that in Jesus we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So how has he done this? Verse 19 and 20 of chapter 1, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, making peace by the blood of his cross. So in Jesus we have peace with God because of what he has done at the cross. His shedding of blood has made peace with God. And if that isn't clear enough, Scripture continues on in verses 21 and 22 of chapter 1. We were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And since the apostle is writing to a primarily Gentile audience in Colossae, this would have sunk in even more because Gentiles did not have access to the prophets, to priests and kings of old that pointed ahead to the good news in Jesus. And those apart from Christ are dead and ruined in sin. But verse 22 says, He is now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. So because of the work of Christ in His life, death, burial, and resurrection, those who believe in Him are now reconciled to a holy God. We are not alienated from Him. We're not hostile to Him and not desiring to continue, to continue the pursuit of evil deeds because of what Christ has done. But because of Jesus, we will be presented holy, blameless, and above reproach. It is Christ and Christ alone that saves. And so the book of Colossians brings gospel clarity that helps us address false teachings of our day as it did in the day it was written. It is Christ alone and all of Christ. Or if there are things added to the gospel of Christ, it is nothing of Christ. To add to the gospel and to blend up other beliefs together is to deny the sufficient and atoning work of Jesus. It is denying who He is. And as Scripture continues on, in Colossians uh, chapters 2-4, through four, it addresses Jesus as the Sovereign and His work for His people and the Gospel applied to the lives of believers in chapter 3. But at the end of chapter 1 and chapter 2, Paul's apostleship comes into view. He's rejoicing in his sufferings for their sake. In verse 24 of chapter 1, he struggles for those in Laodicea in chapter 2, verse 1. 
And he ends this letter with a similar emphasis as chapter 1, verse 1 began. This letter began by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. So he addresses the Colossians because of his apostleship. Not by man, but of the Lord. And so in our passage, chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, he is giving specific directions to specific people in this letter. He mentions them by name, and he signs it with his own pen. Unlike other letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to other churches, this is, this is a longer uh, final greeting. He mentions 13 people or groups of people in these few verses. And so it's good to be reminded that there are, these are real people dealing with very real sufferings in this life for the sake of the gospel. But some of them are not remembered. In this passage today, we know very little about some of them and nothing about others. But what is the main point of this passage? Although men and women may not be remembered, it is what they did together. Cooperation in gospel ministry was and is worth it. Cooperation for the cause of Christ is worth it. Paul is writing to encourage the Colossians, and as the Colossians were encouraged, we are encouraged. So let's focus on the mission at hand, make disciples, and plant churches. This passage models for us biblical cooperation. It's working together for kingdom advancement, for churches to be planted, for people to come to know Christ and their lives changed. We're not going to build statues of us. We're not going to give ourselves trophies or plaques. We'll work together with other like-minded churches for the proclamation of the gospel. As we go through this passage today, we have three points. Three points. The first is tell. Tell in verses 7 to 9. Tell. In cooperation with other believers and churches, we tell of what God is doing. We speak of what God is doing. It's our first point, tell. The second point is greet. Greet. In verses 10 through 17, we greet other brothers and sisters in the Lord. We greet other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And then the third point is remember. Remember in verse 18. Some of the ways church remember church remembers brothers and sisters is by prayer and giving to support missions to, to support works and so remember in verse 18 so tell greet and remember so to point number one tell tell let's read verses seven through nine again Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So in verse 7, Tychicus is the first person who is addressed. He is the one who will deliver the letter. Like the apostle did through the book of Acts in sharing reports, Acts chapter 14, 
uh, verses 21 to 23, they returned to places and strengthened the church. Acts 18, 22, 23, he went through the region, strengthening, strengthening the disciples. Here, Tychicus is to share news and bring encouragement. He is trusted by the apostle to not only deliver letters, but to tell of Paul's ministry. In chapter 2, verse 1, he struggled greatly for the Colossians, those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. And so as we were reminded earlier, Paul's apostolic, Paul's apostolic authority is in view in this letter, and he is authorizing Tychicus in this task to go deliver this letter. He is further described as a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. So he is a sibling. He is a sibling in the Lord. He is loved by the Lord and the Apostle. He's a faithful minister. Or some translations use servant, faithful minister, servant, or slave. Recently, I've been reading and watching uh, documentaries about World War II. And I think of D-Day in which to strive to rid Hitler from the earth, soldiers hit the beaches knowing the cost. They hit the beaches knowing the cost. They, they served further generations knowing what would cost them in the present. Here, Tychicus is mentioned as a faithful minister. He is dedicated to the Lord in ministry. He's counting the cost. And his consistent labors honor the Lord. He's also described as a fellow slave. Paul begins his letter to the Romans by saying, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So Paul and Tychicus are both slaves to Christ. But anyone who confesses Christ as king recognizes that he is our master. He is our Lord and we are his servants. And so what a privilege it is for us to be at our Redeemer's feet and serve him. This is all of the Lord. This is all by the Lord. It's for His glory. It's not for our own glory or for their own glory, but for His glory. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 and 22 contains a similar description of Tychicus. Scripture says, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And from Titus chapter 3, verse 12, Tychicus was sent to Crete where Titus was. I'm, I'm trying to repeat Tychicus enough too because I told Lauren uh, that may be a potential middle name you know, for our, for our boy, but she's, she's, keep, she's uh, continuing to reject that idea. But Tychicus, great name. So Tychicus was sent to Crete where Titus was in Titus chapter 3. And he is mentioned among those who accompanied Paul on his third missionary journey in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. So Paul knows Tychicus well. He counts him as a faithful minister and a fellow slave in Christ. Scripture continues on in verse 8 by saying, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. He is, an ex- he is an extension. Tychicus is an extension of Paul's ministry. 
And he is there to provide comfort for the believers. He's a representative for the apostle. When one of us at North Hills goes and serves another congregation in preaching, in conversations, or physical labor, we are doing so out of the ministry of our church, but with a desire to serve the kingdom of God. Now, none of us have apostolic authority like like Paul, but we have the same desire. Tychicus is sent to help and provide encouragement to believers. We as a church, this this coming Saturday, have an opportunity to go to Pine Bluff to, to work, to encourage them. They are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so when we have opportunities like this, we need to take advantage of it and go and encourage Similarly to how Tychicus is here. Scripture moves from addressing Tychicus to Onesimus in verse 9. Now if we remember the the letter to Philemon, Onesimus is the former slave of Philemon who has now believed in Christ and has helped Paul in ministry. He is going to Colossae with Tychicus. And he is described similarly in being a faithful and beloved brother. But Paul goes even further and says, Who is one of you? Who is one of you? So there's weight to that phrase. Onesimus once was was not one of them, but now he is. And this is all because of the grace in Jesus Christ. Those that would, would challenge Onesimus, Paul says, Onesimus is one of you. He is one of you. So fellowship cannot be denied when the apostle says, this about brother Onesimus. And then as verse 9 comes to a close, once again, Paul says, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So Tychicus and Onesimus are going to give an account of what the Lord has done. They're going to tell. They're going to tell. We're going to speak and tell others what the Lord has done in our lives and the life of our church. When we cooperate and lock arms with brothers and sisters in the gospel. We are telling of what the Lord has done in our midst, and we are sharing, we're sharing what the Lord has done. And so by by hearing of accounts, we are strengthened and encouraged in, in the Lord. We're strengthened and encouraged in the Lord when we hear of faithful brothers and sisters. And so as we continue on in Scripture, believers give greetings to other believers. So the first point was tell. The second point is to greet. We're to greet brothers and sisters in the Lord. I'm going to read verses 10 to 17 again. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, 
Have it also read in the church of the, of the, of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So in verse 10, Aristarchus here is described as a prisoner. And so there's, there's debate on this phrase, if he was actually imprisoned, or is his title similar to that of Tychicus as a fellow slave of Christ. But in Acts chapter 20, 27, verse 2, Scripture says he is a Macedonian from Thessalonica. In Acts chapter 19, verse 29, he was with Paul during the riot at Ephesus. So either way, if he was in prison or not, he is, he is useful to Paul and is greeting the Colossians. And this Mark in verse 10 is most likely John Mark that Luke uh, identifies in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. And then later on in Acts chapter 12, verse 25, Paul and Barnabas brought John Mark to Antioch. And so John Mark accompanied Paul on his first missionary journey, but did not come on the second and then this led to the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. So Barnabas and John Mark sailed, to Cy- sailed for Cyprus in Acts uh, chapter 15, verse 39. And John Mark is identified as the cousin of Barnabas. But Paul reminds the Colossians that John Mark is to be received as well in verse 10. If he comes, receive him. And so even by this phrase, John Mark would have been an extension of Paul's ministry to the Colossians. In verse 11, Jesus, who is also called Justice, we don't know more than His name accounted for here. He is forgotten in time, but remembered by the Lord. And that will be us. That's going to be us. We will not be known to the following generations. But our desire should be that the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. Then shouldn't this impact how we use our time, the way in which we speak, the way we spend money? If we won't be remembered, it should impact all of that. What is most important is that we are known by God in Christ. As verse 11 ends, another group is mentioned. The the men of circumcision. And this phrase could just be a reference to believing Jews in general. These believing Jews are considered by Paul to be fellow workers, fellow laborers in the kingdom of God. But the Greek word here for comfort that follows occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It occurs nowhere else in the New, in the New Testament. So their work together, cooperative efforts in gospel ministry has brought relief and encouragement to the apostle. I don't know about you, but I have friends in ministry that when I hear what they are doing and how God is using them, I am deeply, deeply encouraged. So encouraged that it spurs me on in ministry. And so some scholars argue here that it's possible that these are men from the circumcision party in Acts 15. And what used to divide Paul and the party over circumcision, they laid aside by saying that circumcision is not required for salvation. They have united with Paul in the gospel. So we think about the word comfort there. Wouldn't that word comfort 
be even more sweet to the ears. There are those who have had sharp division, but they are now united in the gospel together. They're encouraged by one another in the gospel together. Where there once was division, there's now unity in Christ. But either way, they, they are fellow workers for the kingdom, and they are a comfort. They are a comfort. In verse 12, Epaphras, who is with the Colossians, also greets them. He was introduced in the beginning of this letter in chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. And he's described as a beloved servant and a faithful minister of Christ. He is telling Paul what is going on in Colossae. And so Epaphras is further described as a slave, a servant of Christ Jesus. Similarly to Paul, to Tychicus and Aristarchus. And he's praying for the people so that they may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. Epaphras is modeling pastoral ministry. He's bringing his prayers on behalf of the saints in Colossae so they stand and have assurance in God. And by the phrase, stand mature and fully assured in the will of God, Believers are not to go from sandcastle to sandcastle, but to build upon the rock of Christ and remain. And knowing that the waves may come, the Lord will hold us fast. God is sovereign. His rule does not change. Nor does our position before our triune God change because of what Christ has done. In Colossians Chapter 1, verse 28, Scripture says, Him we proclaim. Him we proclaim, warning everyone with all wisdom that we might present everyone mature in Christ. A few verses later, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it says, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So Paphras is praying to that end. He is praying to that end. Prayer and believers growing into maturity are two other themes throughout this letter. In chapter 1, we are made known that Paul and Epaphras have not ceased to pray for the Colossians. We saw that in verse 9 of chapter 1. In chapter 2, it begins with recognizing again the struggle of prayer that Paul has for those in Laodicea, and then following that addresses the glories of Christ and that He is our substance. In chapter 3, we see the putting of death to the, to the old person and putting on Christ. In chapter 4, we are left with these instructions again reminding us of prayer as James Terrence covered a few weeks ago and then walking in wisdom as John covered last week. So these two themes are deeply rooted in this letter. And Epaphras is praying that believers grow into maturity. In verse 13, Paul is bearing witness that Epaphras has labored for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. And Paul's understanding is that prayer is labor. Prayer is labor. We are coming to the king and bringing our, our petitions to him. God hears our prayers and carries out his will. 
Not everything happens according to what we pray. I know many of us have have prayed for various good things in life and they have not happened like we desire. Those of us who hold to a big God theology, we do not pray because God might be over all things. God might be able to do something. We testify He can because He is God. We pray because He is King. He will answer according to His will. Nations' leaders may represent various countries, but they are not truly sovereign. The Lord of heaven is the true sovereign. And even in our deepest sorrows and losses in life, God may not have answered our prayers how we desired, but we go to Him because He comforts us still. And so Epaphras in his ministry is a laboring in prayer on behalf of these believers so that the gospel goes forth. That people come to behold Jesus as Lord and Savior and that their hope is in Him. Continuing on in verse 14, the apostle mentions Luke and Demas, their, their greeting. By this repetition of greeting, Scripture is continuing to show the importance of greeting those who are confessing Christ. Greet your brothers and sisters. So Luke is a physician who wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And so out of the four Gospels, Luke is the most descriptive account. And then the Acts of the Apostles accounted for what happened in the early church and how the Gospel spread. But Demas mentioned here is later mentioned in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. That he was in love. He was in love with this present world. Apostle says he has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. What a, what a description of someone. He was in love with this present world. He deserted Paul. It is not known if Demas returned from his desertion and repented. But we know if he did not return, he was never of the flock. He was never of the fold. Scripture says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have, they would have continued with us. So those in Christ... Those in Christ will press on until they see Him face to face. In verse 15, Paul continues to greet the brothers in Laodicea and then mentions one named Nympha. Apparently, she has used her house for the church to meet and she's being honored. She's being honored for allowing this to happen. Praise God for women that open up their homes for pastoral ministry, pastoral care, and, and the gathering of the saints. And they are meeting in her house, and she is, she is being honored here in this, in this verse. And in verse 16, this letter is to be read. It's to be read before the church. And after it is read, it is to be shared. So this letter is to be read before the church, and after it is read, it is to be shared. There are three things that we notice with this. Paul's letters were shared throughout the early church. Paul's letters 
were shared throughout the early church. There was also a recognition of his apostolic authority. There was a recognition of his apostolic authority. And then the Colossians and other churches most likely had similar problems. The Colossians and other churches most likely had similar problems. That's one thing we see with with verse 16, that Paul's letters were, were shared throughout the early church. There was recognition of his apostolic authority, and there were similar problems throughout throughout those churches. And then Paul encourages Archippus to press on in gospel ministry in the Lord. It's a call to remain faithful in the longevity of ministry. And so as your pastors pray for the saints, the saints should pray for pastors so that they remain faithful in their labors for the king. Again, our names will not be remembered. Only what is done for Christ will last. There's a need, and there's a need for faithful pastors and healthy churches. We need more in Washita Parish. Just because a group of people are meeting in a building, it does not mean that it is a healthy church. Just because men have the title of pastor, it doesn't mean that they're desiring to be faithful. So may those who who desire and aspire to ministry that they've received in the Lord, may they finish well. May they finish well. That leads us to our last point this morning. Remember. Remember. Remember in prayer, giving, going. Remember in prayer, giving, and going. Read verse 18 again. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So here he says, I I write this greeting with my own hand. He has penned this. The apostle has penned this. And then he, he then says, Remember my chains. Remember my chains. So for the Colossians to remember the chains of Paul would be praying for him and giving support to help gospel labors. To help gospel work. The gospel is going forth in the midst of Paul's suffering. He's writing letters while imprisoned. God is using Paul's sufferings to draw more people to himself and bring him glory. So Paul's life in chains is glorifying to the Lord. He is suffering for the sake of the gospel. The apostle writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 10. He says, remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Some of of Paul's final words some of Paul's final words remember Jesus Christ remember Jesus Christ though Paul is bound the word of God is not bound God's word goes forth 
And so those who are persecuted for his namesake, the gospel still spreads. God's gospel will still go forth. We have brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe who face serious opposition, serious persecution. But yet, yet the word of God, the word of God is not bound. And so we remember Paul's chains, and that should lead us to pray for brothers and sisters in chains. That should lead us to pray for, for those who, who face persecution, that they're used mightily by the Lord. As John Piper said, we will not know what prayer is for until we know life is war. Another quote from him on prayer that I'm going to summarize is that prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances, not for more comforts in the den. So in cooperation with fellow believers, we're going to pray that God, God holds us fast. And if we are able, we'll support works financially so that God's kingdom grows. Not ours, not ours, but the kingdom of the Lord. And then the last phrase to the Colossians, grace be with you. Grace be with you. Believers are to rest in the grace of God. Though there are various burdens in this life, the Lord will care for His sheep. He will tend to His flock. We will one day dine with the King. And it's because of grace. Grace is unmerited favor. We did not earn God's kindness to us. It is freely given because of what Christ has done. And so as we speak of grace, may we be reminded of what Christ has done for us. We have a king who paid for our sin. And as we have sorrows and sufferings in this life, Jesus, Jesus knows them. He is with us. He is Emmanuel. One day we will dwell We will dwell in Emmanuel's land forever. So beloved, grace, grace be with you. As the apostle closes this letter to the Colossians, he puts the focus on gospel cooperation among believers. That we tell of the news, we tell of the work, we greet brothers and sisters, and we remember, we remember, we pray for others. In our church, in our church, we should desire to model this. It is our prayer that we plant churches. We, we send out missionaries and we pray for those who are persecuted. Our names will not be remembered, but the good news of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed until He returns. So may our lives be spent to that end. We only get one life and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, we, we are thankful we can open up your word this morning. We thank you that we have been able to walk through this letter to the Colossians. Or may you continue to refine us by your spirit and the word. May we be a church that boasts in our King holding fast to what Christ has accomplished in our place. 
And may you use this church for the spread of the good news that Jesus saves. Jesus is sufficient. May we tell, may we tell of the work. May we greet brothers and sisters. May we remember those in chains and bring our prayers to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.